You are listening to the Best in Wealth Podcast, episode number 141. This is the Best in Wealth Podcast, a show for successful family stewards who want real answers about wealth and investing so we can feel secure about our family's future. At the Best in Wealth Podcast, we think differently about wealth and investing. And you should too. Well, hello everyone. My name is Scott Wellens and I'm your host of the Best in Wealth Podcast. Now, this is a show dedicated to helping real people, that is you, my friend, build real wealth so together we can take family stewardship to the next level. I am a certified financial planner, an educator, a fiduciary, a Dave Ramsey smart vester pro, a wealth advisor, and it is great to be with you today. Today's episode is analyzing the CARES Act. Wow, you really want to listen to this one because it impacts you greatly. But before we get to the topic of the day, If you haven't been to the new Best in Wealth podcast website, bestinwealth.com, I suggest you head over there and you sign up to get weekly reminders about the podcast, or should I say bi-weekly reminders. We're doing this every other week for now. I'm trying to work to get this to every week again. I started doing that a couple of years ago. I'm working hard trying to get back there, but for now, we're every other week. And if you would be so kind, go to your iTunes Purple Podcast app that you're listening to the podcast in and give Best in Wealth a review. I would really, really appreciate it if you could go there and do that for me. All right. Now, is your house really clean right now? I tell you what, my house might be cleaner than it ever has been before. Now, I've been extremely busy at work, but my wife, man, she has been cleaning like crazy. I'm talking about every corner of every closet. We cleaned our master closet last weekend. I'm telling you, about 15 bags of clothes came out and headed to a Christian outreach. She cleaned out the coat closet, and at one point in time, I thought I had five or six coats. Now I only see two of them in there right now. I went up to the kids' room looking for the kids. They might be out of the house now, too, because everything is clean. You got to watch it around here, because if it's not something that you're wearing, you might be gone just like the kids are. No, no. They were in the basement. All right, you guys, let's get to the topic of the day. All right, analyzing the CARES Act. More specifically, what you need to know about the Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security Act of 2020, otherwise known as the CARES Act. Now, this is an estimated $2 trillion package. You know, we can't even get our arms around what a billion dollars 
is like, and this is a $2 trillion package, a half a trillion dollars in individual rebate checks. We're going to talk about that a lot here in just a bit, which is similar to what has happened to past crises in the last 20 years. Another $500 billion for support of several severely damaged industries. Nearly $400 billion support, including tax credits for wages and payroll tax relief for small businesses. Over $300 billion of support for state and local governments. And almost $150 billion for various initiatives to support hospitals and healthcare systems. That is a lot of money. And we're going to break it down, spending most of the time on what it means to us as individuals. There's a lot of business stuff in here, but I want to spend time talking about you. And I understand you might own a small business. And so we are not going to go through everything that is in the relief bill for small businesses. We're going to talk about the individual mostly. So let's start by breaking down the recovery rebate checks. We are all eligible for a rebate check. And for a single taxpayer, that is $1,200. For a couple, that's $2,400. And for every child you have under the age of 17 that is your dependent, we're talking another $500. That's a lot of money. So a single taxpayer with one child would be eligible for up to 1700 bucks. That's 1200 for themselves and then 500 for having a kid. 1700. Same thing with a couple with four kids would be eligible for $2400 plus an additional $500 per child for a total of a $4,400 credit. Now, you notice I keep saying up to. There is the up to in there. You're eligible up to this amount of money. And there is a reason for that. And that's because as your income starts to go up, there is a phase out period all the way to you not getting a check at all. And that phase out period we're going to get into, but more specifically, once you reach the threshold for every hundred dollars you make above the threshold, you lose five dollars of the recovery rebate check. And the applicable adjusted gross income threshold amounts are as follows. Married, filing joint, $150,000. So if your adjusted gross income is under $150,000, you will get all of the rebate check. Head of households, it's $112,500. Above that, you begin to phase out. All other filers, 75000 making above 75000 So, for example, if you're an individual filer making above 75000 and you begin to phase out. So, an example of that 
is if you are married filing a joint return and you have four kids, ages 10, 13, 15, and 17, and you have an adjustable gross income of $176,000, we will calculate the recovery rebate check as follows. You're eligible for $2,400, that's $1,200 per adult, and then $500 each for three of your kids, your 10-year-old, your 13-year-old, and your 15-year-old to make a total of $3,900. Now notice, your 17-year-old does not count. Rebate is only increased by $500 per child if you're under the age of 17. That's not 17 and under, it's under the age of 17. But keep in mind, $3,900 in this example, if this is you, is your maximum potential recovery rebate check. But in this example, you're making $176,000. So now your check gets reduced. And how do we reduce it? We take $26,000. That's $176,000 minus $150,000. So you're $26,000 above the threshold. And if we multiply that by 5%, that equals $1,300. Now we subtract $3,900 and subtract that 3900 by the 1300 that you are being reduced and your rebate check is $2,600. I hope that makes sense. There's a lot of confusion out there on who's getting a check and who isn't getting a check. And another big thing you need to keep in mind is that I keep talking about adjusted gross income. An adjusted gross income is your gross income minus a few things like your IRA contributions, your HSA contributions, your 401k contributions, and a few other things. But it's not your taxable income. Your taxable income then takes into account your standard deduction and things like that. That is not where the calculation comes in. It is adjusted gross income. And keep in mind that by virtue of the way the recovery rebate is phased out, two taxpayers who have the same filing status, make the same amount of money, will have different phase-out ranges if they have a different number of kids under the age of 17. So you might do a quick calculation and say to yourself, well, I am married and my spouse and I make $200,000, that's our adjusted gross income, and so I'm phased out because that's $50,000 over the threshold limit, and now I'm phased out of my $2,400. Well, that is true, but remember, you aren't automatically phased out. Your kids' rebates of the $500 each aren't automatically phased out because your $2,400 is phased out. It is on top of your $2,400 that includes the kids with the phase out. So keep that in mind as well. You could make over $200,000 and have one or two or three or more kids and still qualify. 
So think about that for a second, my friends. For a lot of us that are listening, that's a pretty big rebate check. That's pretty cool. Uh, But remember, the government is handing this out because they want you to spend the money. So, you know, me and this being a financial podcast, I might be telling you this is a great opportunity to invest it in the market as things are low. And while that would help the market, it probably isn't going to help the economy initially. So I'm not here to say go spend it all, but that's what the government wants you to do. That's the intention of doling out $500 billion to us. Now, when and how are we going to receive these recovery rebates? And what adjusted gross income are we looking at? This is a huge part of this because it can be very, very confusing. Now, the initial amount paid out is going to be from your taxes of 2018 or 2019. But the recovery check is a rebate, a credit based on your 2020 taxes. Let's unpack that for a second. So if you have not filed your 2019 taxes, the government will use your 2018 taxes to determine whether or not you're eligible. And if you don't qualify on your 2018 or 2019 check, whatever the government is using, you will ultimately be trued up once you do your taxes in 2020. I know there's a lot of layers here. And the first one to keep in mind is if you have not done your 2019 taxes yet, And you have up until July 15th, I believe, because there's been an extension to do your taxes. You're better off not doing them if you made less in 2018, because then the government will use those tax returns to determine your rebate. If you made less money in 2019 than in 2018, you best do those taxes as quickly as possible because we don't know what the cutoff date is. We don't know which date the government's going to go in and say, all right, Scott, are we looking at your 2018 or 2019? Have you done your 2019 taxes yet? If you have, we're using that number. If not, we're using the 2018. So remember, If you made less in 2018 than 2019, do not do your taxes yet. But don't incur a penalty either. Remember, they're due July 15th. Okay, let's say that you didn't do your 2019 taxes and you received a full refund for your spouse and you got a couple kids and you got a $4,400 or whatever tax check, tax rebate check. But it turns out you worked a whole bunch in 2020. You didn't lose your job. You made 250 grand. You would have been completely phased out. So when you do your taxes, because the recovery rebate check is based off of 2020, even though we haven't done our taxes yet for 2020, will you have to end up giving the money back? That's a big question. And the answer is, no, you don't. 
You will not have to give up your check if you receive or make a whole bunch of money in 2020 and really should not be eligible for the check. You do not have to pay it back. But on the flip side, and what's horrible about this act is for the people who made a whole bunch of money in 2018 and 2019, so they're completely phased out, and now they got laid off in the last month. So when the government goes and looks to see if they deserve a rebate check, their taxes are going to indicate no, they do not. But now they're not making any money. Those are the people that really need the check right now. And they're not getting one. Will you end up getting a check because you deserve a check? And that answer is yes, but not until you do your taxes in 2020. So you will have to wait an additional many months in order to receive your rebate check. If you made a whole bunch of money in 2018 and 2019, you will not get that rebate check. If you are now not making any money, you won't get it until you file your taxes later on. I know, does this not get extremely confusing? It makes me feel really bad for the people who are not making any money right now and have made a bunch of money. And by the way, 3.3 million people filed for unemployment between March 15th and March 21st. I bet there's a lot of people out there and you might be one of them that could really use that check and you're not going to get it until after you file your 2020 taxes. Now, the good news for you people who did not make as much money in 18 or 19 and you're getting a check that you will not have it clawed back if you're all of a sudden making a whole bunch of money now. Consider yourself extremely lucky to keep the recovery rebate check. Okay, the next part of this is where and when will the recovery rebate advances be paid? So we don't exactly know when the government are going to cut the checks. They say as soon as possible, but as soon as possible might not be until sometime in May. As you could imagine, this is a big process to try and get checks out to everyone. And the next question would be, how am I going to receive the check? Well, if you're receiving Social Security benefits, because keep in mind, you do not need earned income to receive the rebate check. So if you're currently living off of Social Security and maybe some of your retirement, maybe getting a pension, maybe getting some, some withdrawals from your IRA, you still qualify for the rebate check. And if you are receiving Social Security, you're going to get that check the exact same way you get your social security check right now. If you got a refund on your taxes last year and you got it refunded to your bank account, the IRS will use your last known bank account from last year to deposit your rebate check. If you do not have your bank connected and didn't receive a refund last year, then your check will get mailed to the last known address, specifically probably from your taxes. If you don't file a tax return at all because you don't need to, you will get 
it's sent to your last known address. So as you can imagine, this is going to cause some problems for some people. If you haven't written or if you haven't had to file taxes in many years and you've moved, well, your check's probably going to get mailed to the wrong place. If you had a rebate last year and it went to your bank account and you have since closed that bank account and opened another one with a new account number, well, you're going to have a difficult time getting your check. There is a number to call. If you do have an issue, it's just probably going to take you a little while. So that's it on the checks. Let's talk about other ways that the Coronavirus Cares Act can help us. One is coronavirus-related distributions. So you can take out up to $100,000 from your IRAs and not have to pay the 10% penalty for taking the money out before age 59 and a half. That is, of course, if you are impacted by coronavirus. And what does that mean? It means that you've been diagnosed with COVID-19, that your spouse or dependent has been diagnosed with COVID-19, that you've experienced adverse financial consequences related to the quarantine, that you're unable to work because of the lack of childcare, because of quarantine, you own a business that is dry, or doesn't operate now because of the disease, or if you meet some other reason that, that the IRS says it's okay. So they're being very liberal with this. So you are exempt from the 10% penalty if you're taking money out of your IRA, 401k, 403b, 457, simple IRA, SEP IRA, exempt from the 10% penalty. And you're not subject to the mandatory withholding requirements, meaning normally the federal government will take 20% of your withdrawal if it's coming out of a 401k. That's not going to happen. And participants can self-certify that they've been affected by coronavirus. You're eligible to repay this over the next three years, meaning if you're taking out 50 grand, you have three years to put it back if you want. The only thing you'll have to do is file an amended return. And lastly, the income you receive can be spread out over three years because if you're taking 50 grand out of your IRA, well, now all of a sudden your tax rate might be higher, but you can spread that out over a few years and now the tax bill could be lower. Now, keep in mind, if you lost your job, which is why you would need the money anyway, you're best off taking all the money out at once if you've lost your job because your taxes would you'd be in a very low tax bracket anyway. Now, there's been other enhancements. I'm going to go over these other ones pretty quickly. There's enhancements to loans from employer-sponsored retirement plans. So normally, you could only take up to $50,000 as a loan out of your 401k, and now it's increased to $100,000. And normally, you could only take up up to 50% of the money that you're vested in in the plan, and now you can take up to 100% of what you have vested in the plan for your loan. And the last thing is, if you take a 401k loan, you can delay your payments through the end of 2020. So you're taking the loan out, you're not paying anything back until 2021. 
Another thing that is good about the CARES Act is required minimum distributions are waived through all of 2020. That includes required minimum distributions from your IRAs, 401ks, SEPs, SIMPLES, 403Bs, 457, etc. This also includes if you have an inherited IRA, you don't need to take the RMD this year either. And if you've already taken your 2020 RMD, you can actually put that back into your account. There's a couple of other rules in there as well that you might want to read up on, but that's the basics. Check with your financial advisor or read up to make sure that you're doing everything right so that you don't get impacted by the tax man. One of the last ones I want to go over real quick because, man, this has taken a long time and I know this tax stuff can get boring, but we need to go through this, is when the government switched the way we did taxes via the Tax Cut and Jobs Act, we eliminated all of the above the line deductions because we wanted to simplify taxes. Well, the government just added an above-the-line deduction, and that is a $300 qualified charitable contribution. So if you remember, if you're using the standard deduction, your qualified contributions don't even count right now because they're all getting sucked up into the standard deduction. Well, now your first $300 of charitable deductions will be included if you are taking the standard deduction. So that's $300. Now, it's not much in your pocket, but anything counts. And as a side note, the government was going to say this was only going to be good for 2020, but they wrote it as such that it says starting in 2020, you get this $300 above the line deduction. So if they don't change that, you're going to get that every year. All right, just a couple of more things and we are going to finish up here. There is relief for student loan borrowers inside of the CARES Act. I want you to read up on that. I am cutting so close on time that I don't have time to go through this, but make sure if your student is paying back student loans that they should read up on the relief that they can get for a set period of time. There's also the qualified medical expenses for certain tax-favored accounts are expanded to include over-the-counter expenses. So in your HSA account for this year, you can use your HSA for over-the-counter medicines and things like that. All right, those are the basics for individuals in the CARES Act. There is so much more in here that has to do with Things for small businesses, uh, for large businesses, etc. But these are the big ones. These, as a family steward, you need to make sure that you get right because these are going to impact our family. You know, before I uh, this CARES Act came out, because last week we weren't sure whether or not the government was even going to sign this uh, as a bill because there was so much fighting going back and forth. So I wasn't sure what I was going to do the podcast on. And I was thinking about doing the podcast on 
patience. So I'm going to talk about that just real quickly with you. What do I mean by patience? Patience is the capacity to accept or tolerate delay, trouble, or suffering. And we're in a time right now that we need to be extremely patient. We need to be patient with our kids. Some some kids are just starting schooling, online schooling right now. We need to be patient. We need to be patient with our spouses. We are under the same roof for at least a lot of us that are listening. And that's something new. We need to be patient when it comes to that. We need to be patient about this virus. This virus is not going away anytime soon. We need to be patient with the process. And finally, I have to stick this in here. We need to be patient with our portfolios. If we can be patient with our portfolios, we will be winners in the end and not selling when we should. So let's be patient financial stewards, patient with our kids, patient with our spouses, patient and let this virus run its course. And finally, patience in our portfolio. This is all the time I have, you guys. I hope you have an awesome, awesome week, and I will see you on the flip side. Bye-bye, everyone. The Best in Wealth Podcast is hosted by Scott Wellens. Scott Wellens is the principal at Fortress Planning Group. Fortress Planning Group is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Securities Act of Wisconsin and in accordance and compliance with securities laws and regulations. Fortress Planning Group does not render or offer to render personalized investment tax advice through the Best in Wealth Podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice.